This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit LizBruner.com and take your skills to the next level. When you are good at math and science and your family is full of doctors, well, of course, that's what you're going to do. It's what's almost expected of you. And it is what my guest did initially until she decided to follow her passion. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining me today on Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. And I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Pooja Goel, who in the middle of the pandemic changed careers and is now an entrepreneur with her own green beauty products line. Welcome, Pooja. It's so nice to have you on my show today. Thank you, Liz. And thank you for having me here today. How does one make the jump from medicine to beauty products? Where did that interest and that passion for clean beauty come from? So my interest for clean beauty started, I would say, in about 2017 or 18. I think my husband and I were amidst uh, starting fertility treatments. And it was really about just sort of not only eating clean and the vitamins that most fertility clinics have you take, but sort of extending beyond that and saying, well, you know, what are you touching? What are you, what products are you using? Down to even not touching paper receipts. <laughs> so I had a funny year there where I was, you know, my husband was catching all the receipts. <laughs> it opened my eyes. It launched this passion for how quote unquote clean we could get as a household. It was not for any purpose other than for myself and my health. And it lasted for two, three, four years. And then, you know, just suddenly on a walk, my husband said, why don't you do something with clean beauty? You, you absolutely love it. And that was really it. It was really just a conversation. But I find it fascinating that your first career was in medicine because your parents certainly made no secret that they wanted you to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. But growing up, did you have any other desires of what you wanted to do and be? You know, Liz, I don't know if the space was clear enough for me to think, but I I had a few passions, if that makes sense. Art was strong for me just going from elementary to middle school and always being told, oh, you're the best in the class at art, knowing and feeling that at least. Um, Say, you know, I was constantly redoing my parents' home saying, can we please buy a couch for this area and can it be this color? And you know, just constantly trying to reorganize things and make them prettier and better. And I think from a very young age, I knew I wanted to do something with skin because I was in a space where I, my mom and I would go to the grocery store and I'd get this big stem of aloe and I'd be like, oh, I can cut that out and I can make this. And I mean, I grew up with my parents, at least my mom saying, you know, put egg in your hair, put yogurt in your hair. And so that was there. So these were the these were the things I felt excited about. I don't know that I ever thought about them as careers, but in high school, I was, you know, I, I knew that medicine wasn't calling my name. It, it just happened. And I wasn't forced, but it was just there. But it's also interesting that you say that medicine was just always there because there was even a professor in college who said to you, you know, Pooja, maybe medicine is not your calling. And yet you still stayed the course, even though he gave you that. And and from what little I know of you, you were like, it is going to be my course. That's where I'm going to go. You were even more determined than ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I worked hard to get into the program that I was at at Lehigh. It was a six-year combined BAMD program that you get into from high school. You needed uh, exemplary SAT scores and exams and GPA, et cetera. 
so to be told, you know, not only was I not in the program anymore, but to be told that maybe medicine wasn't my path, it just, I think it infuriated me. And although I, I did question, you know, well, I'm not in the program anymore. I don't really love, love, love medicine. What do I do now? It was in me that I was going to prove uh, him. And if not just him, anyone else wrong uh, about belonging in medicine. So you become this doctor, your mm-hmm. first jobs are an urgent care clinic in Maryland, and then you go to New York City and you're in a health services center. There had to be some love about being a doctor. If there's one thing that you did enjoy about being a doctor, what was it? You know, as a physician, you are aware of the impact you make. At least I felt that way just within the minutes that you have with the patient, whether it was through just their understanding because you explained it better, uh, their confidence in their treatment because you gave that to them, and or them feeling better because they implemented the treatment and they said, Dr. Dalal, this really worked. I can't thank you enough. It didn't happen all that often because a lot of times you're just re-prescribing or continuing care. You're not implementing something new necessarily. But when it worked out that way, it was very rewarding. And so you, you're this doctor and yet oh, something's still missing, that, that, that creative, that artsy side of you, just you really didn't have a chance to explore it. You talked a moment ago about wanting to like do a couch or do this in your home. And so even interior design was something that you thought about. How did all that unfold? So you left being a doctor and you kind of tried to do interior design, right? Right. So my first thought process of what I could do other than medicine was, you know, something with design. And I had moved to New York City in 2016 after getting married. And I started to follow a, a woman who, she did interior design, but she, she did it in the form of staging. So she would take gorgeous penthouses in New York and sort of flip them, if you will, within a day or two. And they would sell for the millions that they deserved, but more, you know, you would hear about bidding wars because of her design. And it just sparked something inside of me. And I said, well, you know, not only do I love her design, but I love the concept of just doing something like that. So yeah, I was in New York City. I, as a part-time endeavor, I um, started to stage homes, definitely not million dollar homes, but homes. It, It went well. I mean, they sold quickly. The response from the realtor and the owner was always positive. Enough so that I felt like my mindset started to change, that uh, this is something that I'm passionate about, but I'm also good at it. So that was exciting. So from interior design, you end up deciding you're going to start a beauty line. And you said a moment ago, it really started on a hike with your husband. But how does one go from staging in interior design, having this idea on this hike with your husband to suddenly actually truly launching your business? In, in the moment, it was not something I thought about much, but in hindsight, it, it was a lot of work, but it just was seamless. You know, I think I remember it was March of 2020. We were on the hike. I think within a day or two, I opened a Shopify account after researching which e-commerce account I can use. I had started to put my site design together and had that done within a month. I reached out to brands by May. I had products by June and launched by July. I was just so excited by it. I don't, it, it never felt like work. It, it never was sort of like, oh my God, I have to do this next. It was really seamless. Were you making some of these products at home? I mean, where, where did all this come from? Or did you just have ideas and you went to people to help you create them? I had visited a clean beauty store in New York City, I would say two to three years ago. And I was, uh, first of all, floored that there exists that it existed a whole store of just you know safe for you 
beauty products. And so that sort of launched the idea. And I didn't want to create my own line per se, but I wanted to be sort of a house of beauty products, just like the one I had visited. Um, and of course, I had my own notions of how I would make it different and better and how I, you know, what value we would bring. That's sort of what came together. I just, um, I wanted to be another hub where people could shop for clean beauty. Your company is called Hara. It's a line of toxic-free beauty products. You said you launched in July of 2020. That's the mid-pandemic. And there are so many beauty products out there, Pooja. How do you even get noticed to launch a company in the middle of the pandemic? To begin with, what helps is that the clean beauty revolution, if you will, is starting to take place. I think there's a space for it. There's an audience for it. I will agree anytime there's a space and audience for something, the space gets cluttered quickly. So to differentiate myself, I said, well, what am I passionate about? Yes, I'm going to have a store and I'm going to sell a variety of brands and products. But why should someone come to me versus someone else? And so I started to think about inclusivity. And this was in March, you know, before the Black Lives Matters movement came about. And I was like, as an ethnic woman, I, I feel some way about going to store after store after store and just, you know, having to scroll, scroll, scroll until you get to your shade type of a thing. It's like feeling first uh, was missing through imagery and through languaging. And even the founders, we have 20% or more BIPOC owners, women who founded companies. Inclusivity mattered to me. I think culture and sort of ethnically rooted practices mattered. Um, and so we're starting to implement, you know, talking to different cultures and saying, well, what's a beauty practice you grew up with? Like I grew up with oiling my hair. And if that even makes sense to a majority of people, I want to talk about it through a blog on the site and offer hair oils to sort of complement the story. That's how we wanted to differentiate ourselves. And if I'm remembering accurately, you pitched about 50 different companies of products you liked, and you actually got a, a tremendous positive response. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that was like. I think every single yes that I got in that first week, I, it was just this high. I was, uh, I was on cloud nine, very excited. And the no's were just as defeating. I was like, why not? <laughs> but I started to understand. And I actually made it a point to reply to the no's and say, well, if you could give me a reason, uh, if I can understand better. So I, I did that so that I could just going forward, understand what, you know, what the companies are looking for. It was really exciting. It also led to the dilemma of forking out <laughs> money for that much inventory, right? Because once someone says yes, you don't want to not get them. In hindsight, I realized I had this sort of get, get, get mentality because I did, it felt, you know, like a prize. Each yes felt like a prize. Hara means green in Hindi. Is that right? Is that why you named your company? Um, so my initial thought was that I want something that means green in Hindi. And Hara, pronounced slightly differently, is, is the color green in Hindi. Um, then I started to sort of search other meanings of her and I stumbled upon the Japanese meaning, which means to return to one's center or energy field deep in the belly that sort of drives our life force. I fell in love with the name more and more. Wow. Your website says, quote, clean beauty means the hard work is done. Explain what you mean by that. What I mean by that is, you know, you will have retailers who have clean beauty products, um, maybe labeled in a small section or clean at and then fill in the blank for the retailer. That's not the case with us. We don't carry products that we don't consider clean and, and have a clean section. To me, every product in the shop is something I would feel safe using on myself and or a child, you know, from the ingredient profile. And if I can say that, then 
then I can say to people, like, at least from my vetting standards, and if you agree with those standards, you should feel safe picking just about anything. And you say switching careers from medicine to clean beauty is really more than just about offering toxic-free products. It's really about prevention and wellness overall, yes? Mm -hmm. I did feel a couple of times when practicing, I'm just sort of doling out prescriptions for the most part, or I'm, I'm giving lifestyle recommendations and come six weeks or six months later, the, the patient's in the same position without having implemented. That sort of feeling does settle in that how much of a difference am I making and, and can I prevent on a deeper level in a different way? Uh, I had thought at the time, you know, could I do illustrations of the physiology of common conditions so that patients could understand better? There's some way of preventing better. That's sort of what led to feeling like clean beauty is a great addressing heading. Well, what I love about the connection between the two is your none of your medicine, not all of that knowledge is still applicable, which is really fantastic. And you're really receiving a lot of high praise. I noticed on the website that model Chrissy Teigen, the wife of John Legend, touts that the oil product you sell is, quote, her jam. <laughs> That's some endorsement, I would say. So I have to ask, what do your parents think about this career move? Um, you know, initially, they, they reminded me to just keep it part time. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm if I'm honest, but as I as they saw my excitement, of course, the Wall Street Journal feature and the flow of energy and and praise and encouragement that's come since, they're way more on board. <laughs> Excellent, and and as they should be. Mm -hmm. Not unlike many entrepreneurs starting out, it is all you. And I've often said that being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart <laughs> because it is often a whirlwind. And I know it has been for you. What's your average day like? Is it what you expected? I would say most of the day I spend thinking about what's next uh, or coming up for Hara. I actually still practice a little bit of telemedicine here and there to stay relevant and connected. And it feels really good. It's easy for me. And it, it just feels, you know, life feels balanced right now. That's a great way to put it. And, and even with all the whirlwind and long hours, do you think you finally scratched that creative itch that propelled you to sort of leave that white doctor's coat behind for most of your career? <laughs> I think I did. I, but I, I think uh, the itch got bigger. I, I think it just sort of it catapulted me into, well, what else can I do and how else can I market myself? I have yet to hire someone just because I'm like, you know, all the ideas I have, will someone execute them, you know, the way I want it. And so that's, that's a separate issue. <laughs> it's, it's definitely um, opened up, you know, Pandora's box for sure. Well, as an entrepreneur myself, I'm going to encourage you to get that assistant and get somebody to help you. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is all about people following their passions, rising above circumstances and showing others that sometimes it just takes courage and being brave and seeing someone like yourself do it to live out their best life. What advice do you have that you can share with our listeners to encourage them? to live their best life. I'll share a little piece of advice I got when I was living in New York City. I actually made an effort to go to a, a panel that had that particular decorator uh, slash stager that I mentioned earlier. I got a chance to ask her particularly, what do you do to feel good enough? How do you know you're good enough to do the thing that you are desiring? And she said, if there's, a, if there's even the tiniest voice inside telling you to do it, just know that that voice it won't lead you astray uh, and to start to listen to it and nourish it. I, I think that carried me through the years because until then, the concept of listening to this voice just felt like I didn't know that the voice was going to not lead me astray. 
I think it starts off as a still small voice and then mm-hmm. it becomes a hammer and then sometimes it becomes yeah. a frying pan that you yeah. just have to listen to it. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I encourage everyone to check out Pooja's clean beauty products on her website, which is harakleanbeauty.com. And that's spelled H-A-R-A cleanbeauty.com. I know for one, Pooja, I want to try that oil that Chrissy Teigen is raving about. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Pooja Goel, and I wish you continued success. <laughs> thank you, Liz. Thank you for having me and taking the time to listen to my story. And you are welcome. And thank you all for tuning in. And I invite you to become a subscriber if you're not already and tell your friends about the show. My goal is to reach as many people as I can and encourage them to follow their passions and live their best life. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.